Is this thing on? Are you ready, Matt? You're listening to Box Office Avengers with Matt Diaz and Ernesto Santos. Good evening, folks. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you. We know each other. He's a friend from work. Hello and welcome to another episode of Box Office Bingers. Ernesto, tell our lovely listeners what they can look forward to as what we are reviewing this week. Oh man, I wish I had a sound effect because that would have just been like a perfect input for it. But we're reviewing (laughs) (laughs) Monkey Paw Productions, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, starring Regina Hall and Sterling K. Brown. Written and directed by the Ebo t- sisters, I guess. Adama, Adama, and because it, it, it's two, it is two of them. It's oh, it's two. It's both. Oh, I, of them. I only read one. I didn't know that there was a a duo there. Yeah, I'm gonna get it for you right now. Ebo. Is this like a combined name that they have? No. It's the Ebo sisters. Oh. A, a oh. It's their oh, twin. It's... Yeah, they're twin sisters. But it's only Adama the... and Adani. Yeah, Ebos. I see that. But only one. But I guess one of them, yeah. one of them wrote and directed it, and the other one was a producer. Well, because I watched an interview, and it they both pretty much took credit for it being hand in hand. Interesting. Yeah, it says a film by the Ebo twins. Hmm. That is interesting because, yeah, IMDb credits only one person, which is interesting. Okay. Well, there you go. But yeah, I, I'm excited to talk about this movie with you uh, because, like we mentioned on last week's episode, we haven't reviewed a straight comedy in a while. It's been a long time since we've done so. And so I know we've watched comedies, but like actually making a whole episode surrounding just reviewing one, it's been quite a, quite some time and i'm not sure what that says about the genre or if the genre is changing but this is for sure comedy so i'll be looking forward to talking this this movie with you yeah and this is kind of and this is a different role for um uh for sterling k brown like yeah he's this this is not randall from this is us <laughs> no <laughs> i've never seen this is us but i can i know that it's a straight drama yeah, he's like a very stoic, very well well mannered, well spoken father, like father figure in that show. Yeah, and and it's funny that you said that because he's also, um, you know, I've seen I, I saw him in Artem, uh, Hotel Artemis, which is a action movie. Um, he was in obviously Black Panther, but in the beginning, um, I've also seen that he's credited as H A L K. Is that it's it sounds like I want to say Hulk, but that's not. That's from Solar Opposites, a show that you watch. He's a voice. Yeah, he's one of the. He's one of the. Little, he's one of the. He's actually really funny. And then I mean, remember he was in that episode of uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine. That's yeah. Oh my God, that was a really good episode with him in it. That was the interrogation episode, correct? Yes, I want to yes. say that he was either wasn't he? I think he was nominated for that. Oh, for a guest appearance, that makes sense. 
I also see that he was Reggie in The Marvelous Miss Majel Season 3. He was a recurring role in that. Um, but it, it's interesting... But he's hilarious. He's hilarious in Solar Opposites. Uh, okay, I didn't... Yeah, I mean, obviously I don't know, but uh, it, makes, it makes sense. It's interesting because we see his character here in the movie... Um, but like you said, we've seen him, like, like you said, it's a different role for him, um, that we haven't seen him actually do maybe live action ever. Um, but anyway, we're going to get into all that. We're going to hurt ourselves here. Uh, we're going (laughs) to discuss all of about the movie later in the show. Uh, we're also going to be talking about what we've been watching, but of course we always start with the news and the news is, is interesting. It's quite light this week and we're, we might be spending some time on a few topics, but the news, not much really happened. It was qu- really quiet, uh, but stuff did still happen. Um, so if you follow us on social on our social media channels on Instagram at box office underscore bingers or on Facebook at box office bingers, um, you would have known that this past Saturday, which is September this September third, was National Cinema Day. Uh, we didn't talk about it on the show because much similar to another story that we ha- talked about last week. Uh, about the movie pass, this this news came out in between episodes, and so by the time we got to it, it was already over. By the time uh, our next episode happened, but September third was National uh, Cinema Day. On that day, more than three thousand theaters are all across the U.S., including AMC, Regal, and Cinemark, uh, all celebrated the day by offering three dollar movie tickets to any movie in any format, including Dolby, IMAX, and RPX as well as 40X. So if you always wanted to try any of the premium formats, this was the day to go try it because it was only going to be $3. Or if you just want to go to the movie in general, again, $3. Well, now since that day has passed, the numbers came out and we actually know how the event actually did because I believe this is the first time they actually did it. Um, all movies theaters across the U.S. And shockingly, it did rather well as a record number of people went into the movies on Saturday and honored National Cinema Day. An estimated 8.1 million moviegoers attended their local multiplex to purchase tickets for just $3, making September 3rd the highest attended day of the year for theaters, according to the National Association of Theater Owners. The one-day event brought in $24.3 million, according to Comscore, a figure that's 9% ahead of the preceding Saturday, even with the discounted admission. However, last Saturday's tally wasn't exactly a high bar to clear, as it was one of the lowest-grossing weekends of 2022. Uh, (laughs) But nonetheless, this was great news for all movie theaters in general. So, Ernesto, I'm... I'm not sure if you if did you hear about it? Were you aware of it? Do you know anybody who actually went to the theater on Saturday? Um, I don't know anybody who was. I I, I was aware of it, but um, I don't know anybody who actually went to the theaters. Uh, but my niece works at a movie theater, mm. and uh, you know, they said it was pretty busy. Actually, no, I'm sorry, that was the. No, that was it. That was three dollar movie night. Yeah, they mm-hmm. went, and there was like a big fight that broke out, and there was just like oh my a God. mass of people. I mean, you know, it brings out the best and worst of everybody. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but also, like, I don't blame people. This is a great excuse to go to the movies. I think it, it's, it's funny because I was also reading a different article that was stating that Labor Day weekend is actually historically a not a great time uh, for the theater. So it's, it's interesting to see that Labor Day weekend doesn't fairly do well in the movie theater. So why not maybe capitalize that on maybe making it a weekend to go to the theater and that being 
making National Cinema Day and reducing the price so more people can actually go to the to the movie theater. Because I guess because there's other options for Labor Day weekend, like um, you know, going to the beach, hanging out with family. The movie theater is kind of secondary on the mind, as well as it's kind of the end of the movie blockbuster summer movie season. So people are probably going to the theater all summer and they're like, okay, we're going to spend time with our family uh, for Labor Day. Uh, so it's interesting that they implemented this and a lot of theaters across the country participated in this. And I'm glad to see that it did really well. I mean, I didn't go to the movies on Saturday, but um, I did see online that it was packed, like you were saying. Yeah. Um, so I'm happy. You know, you know us, Ernesto. We are always a big advocate for going to the movie theater. So any excuse for anybody else to enjoy the movie theater experience is also great as well. And I'm sure that they might get some people on the hook who might who have had a good time. Like, oh, wow, we, you know. We can come back in the next couple of weeks, or you know, mm-hmm. I don't. They're gonna grab somebody. They're gonna they're gonna grab a few people who, who are gonna come back following to see something else. Yeah, and also I think, like I said earlier, this was a great way to try Dolby, try IMAX, 4DX, or R R R R. No, yeah, 4DX RPX. Um, because you know, some those ticket prices can you know can go as high as twenty dollars. Yeah, for crazy. for for one person. So now you can say you can take a family of four for twelve. Well, wait a minute, that's easily more accommodating. Um, especially, I think at the time you had the re-release of Spider-Man, and so I know those took the spots for those premium showings. Um, and so if you want to see Spider-Man or didn't before, there's your option to go do so. So um, yeah, this feels like a win-win for for a lot of. For for moviegoers, for theaters around the world, maybe they might try this again. Maybe they might make this a more frequent thing. Who knows? Like a monthly thing or a quarterly thing. Yeah, and I know theaters on Tuesdays, AMC and, and Regal do $5 Tuesdays. So there are cheaper ways that you can go to the theater. But still, the premium one, the premium showings, those are still high. Yeah. So, so the those fact that change. it was, Yeah, those don't change much. Um, so yeah, good for National uh, Cinema Day. But speaking of which, because of the the, the results of this also, uh, with National Cinema Day, the Labor Day holiday weekend, and no major releases, Top Gun Maverick, out of all the movies, Dang. once again, takes the number one spot at the box office in its 15th week at the box office, making just $7.9 million over the four-day holiday weekend. Ernesto, 15 weeks of a movie. And this Top Gun, like, there's nothing else that people rather go see than Top Gun at the theater again. You know, I guess when they were when they finally picked this fun that final release date, it almost was perfect mm-hmm. because they knew that it would last the whole summer. It would just kind of ride the summer wave with everything else that you, it's been able to compete with everything that's come out. Like Seriously. it's still it's still in the conversation. I mean, it's a good it's a really good like blockbuster film like a classic yeah. block and i think that's what the key is that it's like a it's a blockbuster film it doesn't try to be more than what it is like it's just this very self-contained story like i don't know it's very reminiscent of like old old hollywood movies yeah and and, and you're right because if you were to go see any movie in the theater and you're not particularly interested in maybe the smaller budgets i mean hell even right now like Nope is still hanging on, but Thor, Love and Thunder, it's about to hit Disney Plus this week, so it's, like, that's already out of the theater. Minions are still there, so those are your family options, but for some reason, somehow, Top Gun Maverick, people are still interested in seeing that movie, Um, and maybe you haven't seen or you want to see it again, but, I mean, it's one of my favorite movies of the year, and for all the reasons you just said earlier, so... I guess it makes sense, but it's just surprising that, like, it still hasn't let up. Like, the movie's available 
Ernesto, to purchase Nvidia On Demand. You can watch the movie at home now. And and Paramount waited a long time to release that movie for home viewing. And literally two weeks after that, it still manages to hit number one in the box. It's really unprecedented that this movie is still doing so well. I just I think it hits a lot of demographics. Like a lot a big massive group of people are can enjoy this movie. Mm-hmm. You know. I mean, yeah, you're right, and it and you're right. It does scream classic blockbuster movie. Mm-hmm. Like, and the fact that it's still doing well is really impressive. And, and speaking of which, Top Gun Maverick has now generated a total of seven seven hundred and one point two million dollars to date, enough to dethrone Marvel's Black Panther, which made $700.4 million and is now the fifth highest grossing release in domestic box office history. And oddly enough, that's not the only record it cemented over the weekend. According to Paramount, Top Gun Maverick is the only film to ever be number one at the, at the domestic box office for both Memorial Day and Labor Day holidays. Literally, it's the movie to kick off the, the like... I feel like Memorial Day is the unofficial start of summer, and Labor Day is the unofficial end of summer. And Top Gun Maverick was right there the whole way through. The whole way, just wrote it all the way. <laughs> the whole, and which is really impressive. Um, Top Gun Maverick currently has a worldwide gross of one point four four billion dollars and sits at number twelve at the worldwide highest grossing films of all time. Wow. And I, I feel like that number is still climbing 15 weeks later. Um, it's it's just crazy. I mean, good good for Top Gun Maverick because it is a movie that I think it's best served to watch in the movie theater. And I think that's another part of it. Maybe some people go home and like, oh, I can watch it at home, but it's still in the theater and it's only $3. And I can test out a, a new format. Why not just try that instead? And that's a that's a great movie to see in the theaters. Like it's a spectacle with the sound and just Absolutely. the music, just everything happening. It's a great it's a great theater movie. I was listening to the score the other day, and um, it's on my movie scores playlist, and it popped up, and it's just so inspiring. Like it's it, it's it's just it's great. Like we said many times before, this film kind of. Uh, it, it checks all the boxes as far as being entertained, being immersed, having a great story. The music's there. The visual effects is there. The, the stunts are there. The acting's on point. Like, it's a great movie. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, it's no surprise that Top Gun Maverick is still doing really well. It's just surprised that it's, 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 it's no surprise of how much people love the movie, but it is surprising that it's still being number one at the box office. Um, all this time and it makes you question like the other movies that are being released at the time as well um does that mean that you know some of the movies are kind of just dying out and we're just waiting for the next big movie to come out um who knows uh but i guess this also shows that there's not a lot of options that people want to see in the theater it's (laughs) it's top gun maverick yes especially as far as like big spectacle films Mm -hmm. like thor and love and thunder but you know that's going to disney plus now right and even Nope. Nope was, the, I think, the last big movie. You can even say Bullet Train was as well. Bullet Train, unfortunately, yeah. didn't do as well in the box office. But Nope did very well. Um, but that kind of, you know, it had its moment. It came and went. Um, and now you can watch it at home. You can rent it for $20. Um, and that was just a month ago, I felt yeah. like. It, <laughs> it was, was like, very like quick. It just happened. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
to showcase just how bleak the rest of the holiday blockbuster weekend went, uh, Bullet Train actually came in number two, making $7.3 million. And Sony's re-release of Spider-Man No Way Home, which offered viewers 11 minutes of extra footage, came in at number three, making $6.5 million for the four days. Ernesto, that right there just showcases literally how bleak the movie theater like is right now when you have a movie that's been out for 15 weeks and you have a movie that was released in December and all Sony had to do was capitalize on a low weekend that not a lot of people go to the theater and just say, Hey, you can watch for three bucks on Saturday and we have 11 minutes of extra footage and people are like, I'm in, let's do this. <laughs> so it's, it's quite shocking actually um, how that is, how this is all going down. And, it might be that way until, honestly, don't worry, darling, that comes out um, in September 23rd. Maybe you might get a little bit of buzz for The Woman King uh, yeah. that stars Viola Davis that comes out the week before. But there is a ton of buzz for uh, for Olivia Wilde's Don't Worry, Darling, which we will be reviewing um, uh, at the end of the month. But a lot of buzz is around that movie, so I feel like that's going to be the one that a lot of people are going to go and, and see. Well, and I think that's mainly because of all the drama that's been oh. happening or been surrounding them. I think I saw, and it was later debunked, but there was this video of uh, Harry Styles walking up to Chris Pine when they were sitting down, and then it was thought that he, and he did kind of look, it looked like he spit on him. Like yeah. he spit on Chris Pine, like he even looked up at him and was like, seriously? Or like, what? He's, he mouthed something to him, and yeah. they, later, they later released a statement saying that he didn't spit on him. Which is kind of weird that they felt that they needed to release a statement about some random clip that was circling the internet. It almost is like damage control. Like, like did yeah. you really have to fucking spit on him? Like, can you just say that you didn't? And do it? let's just let's just bury this shit. Like, there's I, I enough feel, drama surrounding this film. You I mean I feel like drama is an understatement because it's just it's just a lot of weird stuff that's happening with this movie, and that and the movie hasn't even been out yet. I mean it was it had a, its premiere, so some people have seen it at the film festivals, but like to the public, it hasn't been released yet. And and like there's a lot of talk about Olivia Wilde and how there was some problems behind the scenes, and then uh, Florence Pugh had issues with the with with Olivia Wilde and now even during the premiere they weren't really next to each other and all this Hollywood drama that seems really unnecessary and, it, and it's funny because it they often say that the worst behind the scenes for the actors make for the best content in yeah. reality so. I've seen I've seen I've seen like comments online say like all right let's see the movie that is the making of don't worry darling where's, <laughs> where's the movie that's the Where's the movie about the making of this movie? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, that's gonna be like a Hulu series soon or yeah, something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and lastly, relating to the box office news, um, in case, uh, in the case of the only new release that weekend, uh, which is the movie we are reviewing this week, Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, um, it came in number fourteen. 14th place, making only $1.4 million. In fairness, Focus Features debuted the film in theaters and on Peacock simultaneously with its hybrid release model, so hardly anyone showed up to the theater, which reigned true because Ernesto and I both saw the movie on Peacock. So Yeah, and it's not and I love the theaters. I just 
didn't have time. <laughs> I just yeah. didn't. It was just way more convenient. And, you know, I was like, oh, I'll just pull up Peacock on my phone and I could just yeah. watch it right here. <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, obviously each movie will have its own. Like if given the option, we have the option of watching it at home or going to the theater. Like, I mean, I think that's a, a kind of a benefit to the viewer for giving us the option. But unfortunately, not a great not great for the movie theaters who actually want to cash in on on, on the actual movie because there's nowhere else to go watch it unless you go to the theater. Now, I wonder, have they released their numbers on what they got as far as streams? No, they have for, not. The, because that would be interesting to see. Like, yes. yeah, it only made 1.4 in the box office, but what are those numbers as far as streams from Peacock? Right, and I think hopefully they might release it. Because it did rather, you know, the reviews for the movie, I think it sits on an 84% of Rotten Tomatoes. So it was reviewed fairly well. Um and but yeah, I mean a lot of not a lot of people went to the theater. Obviously, they went to go back and see Top Gun Maverick or saw it for the first time. But number fourteen on the list seems pretty low for a new release, especially starring Sterling K. Brown and Regina Hall. But th- again, that being said, uh, the movie was available at home, and a lot of people probably just watched it at home. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So there's your box office news uh, for this week, but. Speaking of the movie theater industry, this was kind of rumored circling around, and it wasn't quite official just yet, but as of this recording, it is now officially happening. But Sinworld, the parent company of Regal Cinemas, has officially filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. So what does that mean? Uh, well, first, well, first off, uh, Regal Cinemas will continue to operate and stay open. They were very clear that, you know, if not most theaters will stay open. They might be closing a few that are doing well, but from my understanding, they say that they're going to stay open. Uh, Chapter 11 bankruptcy is more of a traditional form of reorganization in which the operators hope to readjust their financial obligations, which in this case means their debt, leases, and contracts with the goal of staying in business, with the goal of staying in business. Um, Sinworld said in a statement, as part of the Chapter 11 cases, Sinworld, with the exception, with with the expected support of its secured lenders, will seek to implement a deleveraging transaction that will significantly reduce the group's debt, strengthen its balance sheet, and provide the financial strength and flexibility to accelerate and capitalize on to emerge from Chapter 11 as expeditely. expeditiously yes yes easier said (laughs) read than said as possible uh sinward currently anticipates emerging from chapter 11 during the first quarter of 2023 and is confident that the a comprehensive financial reconstruction is the best interest of the group and its stakeholders a lot of big words they were throwing out in that statement but so they're downsizing. Is is what I'm is what I'm gathering from that. Yes, it pretty much. I I believe they are basically given money or some sort of ability to reconstruct or kind of pay off their debts. Um, maybe offering a little bit less. Um, and kind of just making sure all their ducks are in a row to stay in business. Um, but it, it it's not going as far as drastically just tearing down movie theaters left and right. So. I guess that's a it's a better bankruptcy to be in as opposed to just saying all these theaters are going down. Yeah, I mean it's not a complete loss. They're going to be able to just 
they're going to be able to have something, but they're going to obviously start closing stores. That's what it sounds like. Yeah, it does seem like that a couple movie theaters, maybe in rural areas that are not doing so well, might be, you know, biting the dust there, but not as much as I guess it could be. Um, but it's just sad to see because I know the pandemic affected the movie theaters a lot and with, you know, other ways to watch a movie or how quick you can see a movie, even with the 45 day exclusivity window that, you know, the movie studios had signed with the movie theaters. It's, you know, some people say I can wait 45 days if it's going to be on Disney plus in a couple in like 50 days. So like some people convenient, like, yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the hard part. It's like. As much as I love going to the theaters, like like this week, I would have loved to have seen this movie in the theaters, but it's just way more. It, it just turned out to be way more convenient to see it on my phone. And the fact that, like, when you think about it, I was like, oh, it's like, oh, I can go see it this time or I can just watch it at home. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, and that's, that's pretty much the whole debate when we were uh, – with the whole with when the pandemic was happening and HBO Max decided to release all their movies on HBO Max and the theaters, you know, we had the option and it's always nice to have the option. Um, but there was always the option to go to the theater if you so choose. But a lot of people, if you're already paying for the streaming service, it makes sense to just stay home and watch it at your home. Um, but you know, it so with all of that, AMC was able to, if I read a different article and they're saying that AMC. Um, could have faced the same boat, but they decided to um, branch out elsewhere for advertising dollars, and that how they were able to kind of keep their funding. Something along, I don't know the exact details of it, but it was something to deal with advertising, and they were able to like grab money somewhere to keep AMC funding, where I guess uh, Sinworld did not was not able to do that, um, or just continued to rely on the box office numbers. And theater revenue, and unfortunately, that didn't, that wasn't, it needed more than that. And even with a lot of people going back to the movies this summer, obviously, it wasn't enough to, for them to not file for bankruptcy. Um, but hopefully, this is, they said they want to, they, their attendant goal is to get out of it by uh, the first quarter of 2023. So that's around maybe March. So maybe by springtime, they can be out of this, and, you know, we're off to the races again. And uh, they're in a better financial state and they can keep offering movie deals and keep the theaters open. Because, again, like we've been saying before, we like going to the theater. We would hate to see any movie theater shut down because of yeah. financial reasons. Um, but if you go to the Regal, if you go to Regal theaters and you might happen to see one of, one of the theaters go down, this might be the reason for that to happen. Or if you might see any other changes, maybe increasing in uh <laughs> concession stands or movie ticket prices or whatever the case may be uh that might also be the reason as well um so yeah there you go so continuing on from the uh movie theater blockbuster news um it seems that these days we can't go a week without talking about Warner Brothers Discovery it feels like this is a weekly occurrence now Ernesto that they just keep being in the news um which I, I guess it could be a good, good or bad thing but lately it's has been not so great um, but, uh, first let's talk about, uh, the conversation we had last week, Ernesto, about producer Dan Lin being in talks to possibly be the new head of DC and would be in charge of all upcoming DC projects, including movies and television that was meant to keep them all connected, basically be a Kevin Feige, but for DC, uh, content. Well, yeah, that's not, that's no longer happening anymore. 
that uh yeah. that deal kind of fell through and it's it's funny because we even talked about this last week when we were discussing this news of the rumors that this might be happening um because of his 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 own own production company yeah (laughs) like why would you leave that (laughs) and and all the movies that he had lined up specifically with disney and other in other studios as well and um yeah i was like i don't know how this is gonna work he's got to drop a lot of movies and obviously he's like yeah i'm not dropping any of those movies (laughs) i've already committed to these projects which is good for him you know he's not gonna drop everything for to rebuild dc right because if you think about it, it it's a bigger risk to rebuild dc yeah. But I mean, come with bigger risk comes a bigger reward if it works out. But that being said, if it doesn't work out, then you have a, a larger fall and you now lost, you know, there's a lot to lose as well as a lot to gain in that particular true. scenario. Very true. Uh, but CNBC reported that producer Dan Lin is no longer in negotiations with Warner Brothers Discovery to be the new head of the new DC chief. Sources say that after discussing a potential offer from Warner Brothers, Lynn has decided to decline that offer and stay with his production company, Rideback, the film and television company he funded and runs. Uh, one sticking point in talks was Lynn's desire for Warner Brothers Discovery to require a stake in his production company, Redback, uh, which would have continued, which ha- which would have continued on had Lynn taken the DC role. Terms, however, could not be reached, and Lynn and Warner Brothers Discovery agreed to part ways. Which, honestly, it's smart for him to include his production company in the dealings here. Yeah, because, I mean, you don't want to, you can't lose that. Like, I don't know. Right. I mean, especially something that you funded and you started from the ground up. Right, right. So, the fact, I, I, that seems like it was a deal breaker from the start. It's like, if you can't make this work, then we are not going to be in business together. Even though he has been, you know, he worked on other Warner Brothers properties like the Lego movie and the It, to the two It movies, as well as others that we mentioned last week that I don't remember right now. Um, but he, it, I mean, it makes sense that, you know, you stick with your company and you have faith in your company. And uh, now Warner Brothers Discovery is back on the hunt to find the new DC chief. Um, so hopefully they can continue to make a good decision. But, I will say that is hard shoes to fill as far as whoever whoever takes that job has a lot of work ahead of them. So hopefully they can find the right person because, you know, again, big risk, big reward. But, yeah, Dan, Dan Lin, not your man. Yeah, look elsewhere. Sorry, Warner Brothers. Um, but sticking with Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers Discovery has confirmed – that DC Fandom, one of the biggest entertainment streaming events that focused on the latest announcements of DC movies, television, and video games, will not be happening this year. Uh, DC confirmed that DC Fandom will be taking a break this year, saying in a statement, with the return of in-person events, Warner Brothers Discovery is excited to be able to engage with our, with our fans live at numerous Comic-Cons around the world and will not be scheduling DC Fandom in 2022. With DC... In a constant state of in a constant state of flux, uh, right now with several projects either being delayed or canceled, it's not surprising that Warner Brothers Discovery is taking a break from DC fandom. Well, they don't have anything to show. Like, I mean, <laughs> right? They, like, <laughs> like, there's nothing. They, they like, what else do we have coming up? It's like, not much. Like, <laughs> not a whole lot. <laughs> 
Yeah, and it's not a good look when you have DC Fandom. Remember that Batgirl movie? Yeah. Yeah. Mm, let's maybe not talk about it. You know the Flash? Mm-mm-mm. No, let's 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 not talk about that one either. We, we don't talk about Ezra Miller. <laughs> yeah. What, a, what? Anything else you got? We got Black Adam, but yeah, but that's coming out in like a week. Anything else you got in the pipe? Well, those no. two movies. You know, we got Shazam and Aquaman. That's nice. Okay. Um, we knew but about you, those already. Do you think that? But do you think that Black Adam is gonna get in the film? Will give us some sort of future setups for any other projects? I honestly like any don't kind think of, so. Do you think they're gonna leave it self-contained? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's weird because obviously the be- the best connection is connected with Shazam, which is already a movie you have in the works. But I think from what I've been seeing, uh, Dwayne Johnson is very had a lot of power and a lot of creative control in this movie and i don't think he wanted to, co- to connect with anything that's in the dc like maybe i think maybe he maybe wants to leave it self-contained so that he i think he wants to be the iron man of dc like he wants to be the one to kickstart it and be the one that's going to lead it like he's going to lead it as yeah. the black adam the anti-hero i don't know i i i have I have mixed feelings about Black Adam. I just don't know if it's going to be like the movie that I really don't know much about it, which I'm going to keep it that way because I want to go in there with an open mind. But based on the trailers, mm. I I don't know if this is going to be a great movie. I, I don't know much about it. And based on what I've seen, I, nothing's saying that this is going to be extraordinary. Like it'd just be like another average superhero movie to me. Uh, I think so, but I, I'm feeling a lot of, like, you know, I, I love a lot of what The Rock does. So even mm-hmm. even on movies that are, like, subpar movies, he's, right. like, the best thing about it. This just Very seems true. like something that he knows, it just seems like he knows can elevate him, his career, to an, a much higher level if he were to do this right. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. So, and I don't I mean, know, I could, I could see him, like, this being a crucial role for him. Mm-hmm. And I can also see them, him wanting to, you know, there's passion behind it. So he wants to get it yeah, right. He wants to do exactly. it. So that's, that's very clear. He's very passionate about this movie. So hopefully his passion will come across as, a, you know, a great film. And when, they can when did they really announce, build off of this. When did they announce Black Adam? When did he announce? He's the one who, as a matter of fact, he's the one who dropped, who like released it, that he was going to be in Black Adam. But it was yeah. years and years and years ago. It was a long time ago. I want to say either eight or ten years ago, maybe. Yeah, like yeah, that far yeah. out. It's a significant. It's been a been a significant amount of time. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but but to your point, yeah, there's really nothing to talk about if they have a DC fandom. I know in their statement they said with the return of in-person events like Comic Con, um, that they can have an avenue for uh, people to you know, to, for these announcements to happen. Which, even though they had their time to shine at Comic-Con this past year and they didn't do anything with it, um, which was probably smart. But I, I think, I mean, Disney never had like a streaming event. They have Disney Plus Day, which is coming up, and they kind of used that as like a, a, a an avenue to make all these big announcements. But now D23 is happening this coming week. And that's their time to shine. So it kind of makes sense that Warner Brothers is like, well, we have in-person events for that. We don't need to have a streaming event. But I think a lot of people really like DC Fandom. So, um, it, but they have nothing to show. I, right, you know, they have just, nothing. Yeah, they, they have nothing to show, and they have no, 
there's nobody leading the ship. There is no ship. Yeah. There's they have you know <laughs> what I mean? There's like, like this is something that we know that everybody knows that they want. They just I think they need that they need that per they need that person. They need their Kevin Feige. Yeah. And and even like but like you said, there's there's not much in the horizon. You are you are actively canceling shows left and right. And and you're not and and there's not much to show for you. Like you got the three movies, but that's it. So it, it yeah. makes sense that we're kind of just staying away from DC for a while. Um, but yet we're still in the news. However, though they did renew. If you are a fan of the show, they renewed um, uh, Harley Quinn, the animated show on HBO Max. Um, I, I definitely, I you know, I really want to give that that show a chance because mm-hmm. David talks about it all the time. He he tells me how hilarious, how much he loves it. Um, I've heard good things. Like it's in a good adult cartoon that ha- that that is Harley Quinn. You know. Yeah, I heard it's very like you said, very adult, very raunchy, um, adult humor, and it lands with a lot of people. And uh, season three just released not too long ago, and. Either right before season three premiere or right at the first episode aired, they announced that season four is moving forward. So not all bad things coming out of Warner Brothers, per se. They are continuing moving projects. We talked about a few weeks ago that they renegotiated a contract with Matt Reeves. So the Penguin movie, the Penguin series is still happening and Batman 2 is happening. So there are DC content moving forward that hasn't been in production yet. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's not much to show for it. So th- it makes sense. And with the in-person events that are happening, that's a better avenue to release that. So um, question, random question for you, as far mm-hmm. as like when, as when they're rebuilding for their Batman, would you want to see them take Matt Reeves, this Batman or this Robert Pattinson Batman and be a part of the DCU, or should that be its own self-contained thing? And we get a whole other Batman. It, it, it to me that's a hard question to answer because like I I don't know what you want I don't know what they want out of this because in my head it's like okay so we're still continuing on with Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman Zachary Levi as Shazam Jason Momoa as um, Aquaman if we're still keeping those characters they're still tied to the Zack Snyder verse it's mm. gonna be hard for me to disconnect that so if you really wanted to uh if you really wanted to start fresh then you're gonna have to cut ties and rebuild like you're gonna you're gonna have to give me a restructure but the same thing goes for the joker and the batman where those were already self-contained properties so just leave them as self-contained properties because i don't think you're doing them any service of trying to connect them because I i think I think they're better standalone. That being said, if you really want to connect all the DC content, you got to you got to draw that line because Marvel since the beginning have been all connected. So if that's your plan, then <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, you can't be approving projects that are going to be separated from that. True. So it it's it's hard because like I like the standalone movies. It makes sense for the for that thing, but if you're going to tell me, oh, the Batman, that's going to be in the same universe and we're going to start with a new Batman. Or the Joker, that's going to be Joaquin's Joker. You're going to stay over there and we're going to have a different Joker. You're doing the exact same thing as the Zack Snyder verse. Mm-hmm. So, and then you also move forward Peacemaker, which is also part of you know the Suicide Squad, which is a loose reboot to the Zack Snyder version or the Zack Snyder verse of the Suicide Squad. It's a lot of... 
complications when it comes to the DC Universe and trying to either connect them, not connect them. We have certain movies in the works, but we don't want to push them all forward. So I'll be really interested to see what they end up doing. Um, but in my opinion, you start fresh. If that, if you want a, a universe that's self, like that's interconnected, you gotta let all that past go, and you gotta start new. Um, otherwise, it's gonna be a little bit too complicated for to tell your fans to be like, well, it started over here, but then now we're in a different situation. So the timeline really starts here, and the other ones are kind of just like, you don't have to watch them, but it might be helpful. Um, where, where, where are your thoughts on that? Hmm. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's just, I don't know. I mean, it's a tough question to answer because you like what you have so far, but if you're going to tell me you want to rebuild, then I think it's better off that you do so. Um, I mean, I like the Bat Reeves Batman. That's the thing. Like, you make a that's the thing. You make a really good case for it to be self-contained, but like he's so young into mm-hmm. the role as a young Batman that it could they could have his set of movies, but then it ends with like the connecting to the DCEU. I could see that happening. I'm okay with that actually. Like, give me give me the Batman trilogy. And then continue his character on maybe joining a Justice League of sorts. Like, yeah, because I, I, I like the self-containedness of, this, of the story. Like, I'm actually really looking forward to uh, Paul Dan. I don't know if you remember, but Paul Dano, who plays um, the Riddler, the Riddler um, he's writing his own a six-part comic book series about that character. As oh, interesting. That he's writing through DC Comics. It comes out. Oh, nice. I think it comes out in um, October. Um, oh, very soon. So, like, I just I think that this version of Batman is just so interesting and just so mm-hmm. I, I I love I mean love it or hate it I loved what they did with the characters so right I like I want to see more I want to see more explore, exploration of different characters like what I, but I do but I think what 100 percent should be separate is this Joaquin Phoenix um, Joker yeah Joker because this that's a clear it's a I mean we got a young Bruce in that one. So mm-hmm. it's it's very clear that that's a separate universe, or yeah. or they could they they could easily well they could easily write that as that was young Bruce and now we would get a much older but then he would have to be a much older Joker. Yeah, so no, it, it's too many it's too many weird things they would have to figure out. I I feel like with the upcoming Flash movie and introducing the multiverse, then there's a lot of liberties that you can take to have jumping points of like you know this world exists but we're in a different universe now and like other characters can now jump through different universes like what marvel's actually doing right now this is a possibility that could happen as well so So. it's funny because like the flat this flash movie or flashpoint or whatever storyline they decide to go down like they're doing what marvel's doing but instead of marvel doing it as like this phase five six this is gonna be this is gonna be their jumping off point Right, right, exactly. Um, so, yeah, like we're we're all we're all here for the DC content. We're gonna be still supportive because we love superhero shit. Um, so we're we're here. Just, we're just also just very intrigued on where you're going. We're we're skeptical, uh, yeah. but we're still here for you for the at the very least. 
We're we're holding um, on just in case because there's right, a lot of right, promise. Holding, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot of promise. You're right. So hopefully you can deliver on that promise. But first things first, we need to find that DC chief. So <laughs> get get to work, Warner Brothers. Yeah. Um, and lastly, a few casting announcements to talk about this week. Uh, Beverly Hills Cop Four is officially moving forward at Netflix and has started production. The fourth film in the franchise will be called Beverly Hills Cop Axel Foley. Um, Eddie Murphy will reprise his role as Axel Foley with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Taylor Page uh, also joining the cast, which is kind of exciting for Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, I like that. Um, It's also interesting that it's moving forward with Netflix. So Netflix picked up the film, um, especially since... Eddie Murphy did the Coming to America movie with, with Amazon. It looks like he's staying with the streaming for his future projects. He's testing the waters. He's saying, which, yeah. so if I'm going to go to a streaming service, which one's going to treat me the best? <laughs> right, right. And also, you know, you know, and I know this is kind of Eddie Murphy's return to acting, so he's going back to his old roles and kind of, you know, bringing new life to these characters, which is also nice as well. Yeah, especially the such iconic roles that he had, like, to bring mm-hmm. back his old audience, bring in some new new people to go back and rewatch. Because look, if we were gonna review this, I would 100 percent want to go watch the first three leading yep. up to this fourth. Night. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, makes sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, considering you know, hate me or not, but I haven't seen any of those Beverly Hill Cop movies. Neither so. have I, Matt. We can we, we can experience we can experience them together. Sounds but I've good. always but I have always wanted to watch them. Same, yeah. It's been up there. Like it seems like you know he made three of these, so it makes yeah. sense. Can't be that bad. <laughs> You're right. Exactly. Um, other casting news. Uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, uh, actor from The Walking Dead and Supernatural, has joined the cast of Amazon's The Boys for season four. And uh, as a recurring guest star, details regarding his character he will play remain under wraps. Uh, which is not surprising because it's an Eric Kripke. The Boys is an Eric Kripke show, which mm-hmm. was the creator of Supernatural, which is right. how, why we got Jensen Eccles. So. Uh, this is going to be a nice return. Uh, I would. I'm gonna. I'm curious to see what the chemistry between him and um, uh, Jensen Eccles is going to be uh, since they've yeah. already worked together. I mean, I th- I think they're phenomenal. I love Jeffrey D. Morgan. I think he's. I think he's so great in everything yeah. he touches. Like he just brings that essence to ev- like his. I feel like he brings like his own essence, like who he is as a person, to every role. So I'm yeah. I'm excited to see what he brings to this. And if I'm not mistaken, this isn't the first time he's played a superhero. I believe he was in um, in Watchmen. Oh yeah, he was um, the comedian. He was the yes, I think he was the comedian in Watchmen. Uh, let's see, where is it? it? I feel like that's yeah. He was Edward Blake, the comedian. Okay, yeah, yeah. So that makes sense. And then he was also in a comic book. It's a it's a comic book movie. It's a the movie Losers. based off of a comic book. Yeah, The Losers. Um, but yeah, and then obviously I feel like he's more famously, possibly in some circles, uh, known as Negan in The Walking Dead. Of and course. I think that he can play a good villain in The Boys. I think well, absolutely. I would. Yeah, I think he'll be great in that role. Um, so I'm excited for Jeff, Jeffrey D. Morgan to have a recurring role, uh, and it makes sense if he happens to be the villain. So. Um, but if not, you know, I'm sure there are other roles he could play. And most likely, though, I think it's safe to say that he will be putting on a superhero costume, right? It only makes yeah, sense to me. It only it has to be. <laughs> right. Uh, and the last casting news is Ben Kingsley is set to reprise his role as Trevor Slattery in the upcoming Marvel Disney Plus series Wonder Man. 
Um, I like the way you, I like the way you put that that little spin on it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, I am very excited for more Trevor Slattery. Uh, just, no, I don't know anything about Wonder Man, so I'm curious to see what what this is going to bring, like what this is all about. It, it's funny because I also know nothing about Wonder Man, but putting Trevor Slattery in it made it a ten times better. <laughs> I'm a hundred percent down for all of that. Uh, I'm not sure if it's going to be a small role, big role, but Trevor Slattery, I loved him in, and Shang-Chi. So the fact that they incorporated the character back into the Marvel universe and they're continuing to use him, and Ben Kingsley is already on board to continue playing him. It's, it's great. The synergy there is fantastic. Um, yeah, and I even, uh, yeah, he was like, he was a surprising uh, fun factor in Shang-Chi. So I'm happy that they are continuing to use the character. Um, but yeah, more more Trevor Slattery. He's, he's awesome. Um, but yeah, that's all the news we have for you guys this week. As always, you can uh, find all the latest and breaking news on our social media channels on Instagram at boxoffice underscore bingers or on Facebook at boxofficebingers. For all of the news, we'll post it there first and then we'll come back to the show and we'll talk about it. Um, and that's how we do things. Uh, so for that, we're going to move on to a fun segment we like to call What You Watch. And so, Nestor, we'll start, we'll start with you. What have you been watching? Um, I don't have much. I have two things, um, and both of them I finished. First was we finished, we finally finished Miss Marvel, all mm. six episodes. Uh, really enjoyable. I liked that it was like a self-contained story. Um, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't get the whole x-men reference that everybody was talking about at the end when he's talking about her mutation yeah i don't know was that it, but that is, is that a clear link i don't know it's kind of vague it, it is vague um spoilers i guess but it's been the show's been out for a while yeah. um but yeah at the end of miss marvel they alluded that she has these mutate like you're you're mutant so basically i i want to say that it was a big deal because it was the first acknowledgement of mutants in the MCU. And I guess a lot of people were surprised that it came from Miss Marvel herself and not within the X-Men or another X-Men known character. What I find interesting though was that in the comics Miss Marvel was an inhuman. Yeah. And I was reading an article about the the news around that when it, you know when when a lot of people were talking about it. And they said that the reason why Marvel made the Inhumans was because they were having too many stories about mutants. Otherwise, Miss Marvel would have been a mutant. But because they wanted to kind of give an alteration and can stop continuing to use mutants, they came out with the Inhumans instead, and that's where Miss Marvel fell into. So if you think about it, this is Kevin Feige's way of just putting it back to where it was originally supposed to be. Okay. Okay. I can then I then that may, then I'm here for it. Then I'm here yeah. for it. Yeah. Um if if what I read was true, um that is. But it makes sense to me. But also I wasn't that bothered by it. It's like, all right, we don't know much about the mutants anyway. Let's drop a hint, sure. Like we we all know when the X Men comes out, like we you'll know. Yeah. We we'll, we'll we'll know. It's a and her that little cameo for the mutants won't mean a thing at that point. Yeah, and then you know the cutscene at the end was cool because it was like a pre-cut scene. It's a, we're getting a similar connection to how we did with WandaVision and Doctor right. Strange. Right. 
Yes, exactly. And I 100% love the cutscene. And honestly, I feel like Miss Marvel... Because I, 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 and again we said this or I said this before that I wasn't a big fan of Captain Marvel the movie, and I'm not a huge fan of Brie Larson's portrayal of Carol Danvers. Um, so the sequel to the movie Miss Marvel or sorry the Marvels is what it's called. Um, I wasn't too much looking forward to it because I feel like I wasn't a big fan of the first movie. But Miss Marvel and the TV show and her connection and her character um, makes me really excited to watch the Marvels now. And I think because it's going to be more of an ensemble film, because it's going to be her, yes. it's going to be Monica Rambeau, um, and maybe Photon, Quasar, I don't the one who was created during WandaVision. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a maybe. Um, but, but yeah, you're right, it is an ensemble film. And we also are introducing characters that, are, that we've seen in these TV shows, and this is really showcasing the interconnectedness that Marvel is doing. Yeah. Like, you have to watch a movie and two TV shows to see the continuation of all of these characters. Yeah, to really under to really understand. Or you can go and watch the movie, and then that'll prompt people to go, oh, wow, I liked Miss Marvel. Like, who was in the... I didn't see her. I don't know who she is. Oh, she's got a six-episode miniseries or a six-episode arc already mm-hmm. out. Let's go. We can go back and watch that and watch how she got here. Right. It, you're right. Just like comic books. Way. Like, it, I, lo- I love the way they're setting it up because... It is like comic books where you don't have to – we're at a point now where you don't have to watch everything in order to fully understand it. Like if you want to watch like this whole big massive overarching arc, then yeah, you got to start at the beginning. But if you're okay okay with just following this character, then you could go watch the movie, go see somebody go, oh, I can go back and watch this and still understand everything else. And and, and, I mean it makes sense because even with WandaVision, I know a lot of people – who saw Doctor Strange first. Mm. And they were like, oh, what's the deal going there? Let me go back and watch WandaVision. And it made sense for them going in the opposite direction. You're just kind of seeing it unfold in a different way. Now I'll be curious to see what is somebody's, what's their take on WandaVision watching it after watching Doctor Strange. Like watching it, oh, so this is how she becomes that villain. As right. opposed to her, us her watching her grieve and then watching her become into the villain. Yeah, I feel like in the case of you know Wanda's character, last time we see her in the movies were was in uh, Avengers Endgame, and she's grieving for the death of Vision with Hawkeye, and then mm-hmm. Hawkeye's grieving for the death of Black Widow. Um, so, like we see that, and the next jump in the movie sense is Doctor Strange, and then she's like full evil. So it's a hard pivot for some people if you didn't watch WandaVision. But it still kind of makes sense if you knew a little bit about it and then you come back to it later. Um, yeah. Some people might not be in tune that much with it, but at the same time, um, I think it can work both ways. And so, yeah. like you said, and the fact that they're telling well-done storytelling, um, you can do it that way. And it's a benefit for everyone to do so. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm happy that you finished it because... Um, now I can move on to She. Now we've already all right. Now we can move on to She Hulk. <laughs> yeah, and uh, have you have you started that yet or no? No, 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 no. We okay. actually just finished Miss Marvel last night. Oh, okay, um, okay. So and She-Hulk then the wife then. and I um, finished Sandman, which was oh Sandman, pheno- was phenomenal. It was so good, so great. Like, and actually, it's it's really interesting because they, it's almost like the season itself was like, like it was like two seasons and then like a one shot episode. <laughs> 
So like mm. in, in in the beginning of the season, there's like this big there's a big thing that the Sandman has to take care of. But it fe- the the way that the everything unfolds, it feels like you're watching an entire season. But then it's just like a setup for what he has to deal with in the second half of the season. So it's like two mini seasons, and then the last episode is like these two short stories that involve the Sandman, which I thought were one of them was an animated was half of it was animated. One of the stories was animated. Which, mm-hmm. uh, which was strangely like really good and then the last one was like this one-off story that involves the sim and i just i think the season the show was really well done um there's a clear setup for further seasons i don't know if it's been if a season two has been confirmed yet i think i did read somewhere that it was um that there are no plans right now um for a season two but it's it's worth it's definitely worth a watch it's really good yeah, and, and that's definitely on the list, and we talked about this before. Um, it's definitely on the list as well. Um, to I will get to it. So we will be talking about this show in length soon, I promise. Um, but um, I did read that Neil Gaiman is might have issues with getting a second season approved because uh, it didn't. It, it might be hard because it didn't match the numbers that Netflix wanted. But it's also doing very well, but not well enough to give it a hard let's renew it right now. So I feel like it's I feel like it's on the line right now of like we are just there to like, you know, we might be losing. It, it didn't quite make it, but it might be just enough for um, to justify a second season. Correct. But it was but it, I think it can it. I just think more people need to need to just hop on and just watch mm-hmm. it because it's something that can that will instantly hook you. I did see. I just read somewhere online that uh, Neil Gaiman, the, the the writer of the Sandman series, um, that it did well, but they may not have enough money for a season two because the right. show is so expensive to make. I mean, there is mm-hmm. a lot of there is a lot of special effects that are involved, and they're and they they're really well done, very well done. Did you ever have any interest of reading the comic book or the graphic novel? Oh yeah, I've already got the the because it, it's actually on Audible too too as like an like an audio production of it, mm-hmm. um, that's on my list to, nice. to for me to get soon. But yeah, I'm I'm interested to get to check out the graphic novel. Yeah, I know that you know the Sandman property has been somewhat in development or in talks for a while now for different many studios. Um, but Neil Gaiman was always have his hand on; he wanted to produce it. So I think it's kind of great that after all this time and the the book and the movie, I'm sorry, the book and the graphic novel and the comics have been out for a long time. And at the end of the day, it was Neil Gaiman, the original creator, was able to create the TV show the way that he wanted it and not – he didn't have to sell it off to somebody um, and somebody else to make it. So I think that's kind of great that he was able to do that. So in the event that it doesn't get renewed for season two, at least he has this. He was able yeah. to do this. And especially the char- the actor who they picked to portray Sandman, I just mm-hmm. think he just – he comes off as like – I don't know. I just – I loved his depiction – and his mannerisms and just just everything about his like just kind of like this I don't know what the the right word is like his essence that he gave off mm-hmm. when he spoke like I don't know it just it was good it, I love the depiction of the character now let me so I I might have an issue with the material meaning like I don't I'm not sure just based on what I've seen I feel like sometimes this show often like shows like this, I'm less reluctant to start because I know it's a it's a show that I have that needs my full divided attention. 
So when it's a series like that, I'm a little, a little bit less reluctant to watch it immediately because I feel like, all right, these are going to be 10 episodes where it needs my attention. Kind of very similar to Westworld. Like uh, I rather not on that level, not, okay. not necessarily okay. on that level, but yes, Matt, you do have to pay attention. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm going to pay attention, but you know, some things are a little bit more lighthearted than others or of sometimes course, yes, you, yes. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so where, where do you see like Sandman kind of fit in that kind of like range of like how intense I need to watch this show? It's, it, it does require a lot of your attention, but it's so captivating that you don't re like, it's not taxing. Like it okay. doesn't, like you know what I mean. Like it's not a chore. Like it, it right. consu- it sucks you in. Like yeah, the story yeah. is just so captivating. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I heard a lot of great things about it. Maybe, maybe you know, you and I watching the show a little bit later from its release might be the tipping point it needs to, to get a season that's two. All, that's know? all we need. We need. A that's re- all we, we need. Just need it. We need the review. <laughs> we need. To, just we need... keep, just keep pumping it. Yeah. <laughs> um. I, I did read that that episode you were referring to, like that bonus episode, was a surprise to everybody, because I don't think like they had their first initial what ten episodes I believe, and then that that extra episode no one saw coming, so they just kind of just released it and gave some better you said better content for the actual season. Yeah, I think it was a I think it was a beautiful addition to the season, because you get your resolution and then you get this one off episode. That just kind of shows the Sandman like being the king of like the Dream King, like just showing mm-hmm. him like being who he is and interacting with different people from the waking world. Hmm. Um, yeah, I'm and and this is more or less a fantasy, right? Yes. Like a dark fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm interested. It's definitely one of the shows at this point. I'll discuss what I'm watching now, which you'll be very excited with. But once I'm done with this show, um, my next option is either watching Sandman or the Umbrella, um, the Umbrella Academy. So, oh, yeah, I got to go back and finish that now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So those are the two ones I'm looking into. So maybe, maybe I might choose Sandman over the Umbrella Academy if you have your high regard for it. Yeah, I would. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's like, yeah. I, and you started Umbrella Academy. Yeah. 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 I started. And you finished said, it. right. You said you weren't too thrilled with how it started, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and anything else? Is that it? That's it. That's all I got this okay. week. Um, I have also have a very low um, week this week. Um, I didn't watch much this week, uh, but I think you'd be very excited to know, Ernesto, that I have officially started the Orville. Man, about time. Yeah, I know. And I am five episodes deep. Damn, so man, those episodes I'm... are long. <laughs> the... Okay, all right. Let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> Each episode I is feel... like a movie. <laughs> It yes, it is. There's like it's not like it's it. Uh, no joke. Each episode is like an hour and some change. It's not like an hour it, twenty minutes or something like it's that. It's like yeah, hour five, hour ten. And I'm gonna be honest. One of the down parts about this show is like this could be done in forty five minutes. Yeah. So it doesn't need to be that long of a show. I was here for it though. I mean, it I, it, it it was a little bit more. This season was like a little bit more serious. In the past it's ones. yes that that was the next part i was getting to <laughs> okay. but also it's it is take like the first episode ernesto is dark yes like shit <laughs> i don't want to ruin anything but my god what they did with isaac is 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 like re, out of the gate we're really we're really doing that you. first episode I, damn it gets, pretty, it gets pretty heavy like 
I was they, like, they, God. They, they take the gloves off. <laughs> they do. But and you each know episode all... is each ep- each episode is equally. I feel like it's just like the intensity. You maintain that intensity throughout the entire season. Like it's very. It's serious. weird. It's a weird shift because there was some levity in the first two seasons of of uh, of the Orville. Yeah. It, it it had its splash of light comedy, but it was really a drama, a space drama slash action adventure film or series. Um, but you had your comedy sprinkled within, and I feel like it it's less of a sprinkle now. It's more of like a little like a little toss over there and a, <laughs> a toss over there of comedy. But it's 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 very far and few in between when they actually tell a joke. Like it almost feels in a way that the comedy doesn't fit. In the new storytelling tactics that they're doing in the Orville now, um, I, it just feels out of place almost, especially with um, that it's seen in one of the beginning of the episodes where they were at the they were bar hopping within uh, like in a simulator mm. and they were like at a saloon and they had the western feel and they were drinking through the century something along those lines like that was funny like yeah. I I also, I like that bit and also at the very end when when um, Seth MacFarlane Ed when when he finished talking with the commander and he was like he didn't even know we were drunk <laughs> like this whole time and then later it came back to like and just to let you know if you didn't think I was that sharp I knew you guys were drunk and he's like enough said all right I understand now um, so that was pretty funny but like those those little moments are far and few between with a show that has taken itself very seriously and I feel like with the switch to Hulu with the new name which is now um, the Orville New Horizons, um, because because that's even even on Hulu it says it doesn't say season three it says New Horizons on it. Yeah. So I think they're capitalizing or they're trying to re almost like a rebranding of the show a little bit. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, honestly, that first episode was just showcasing how much money they got. <laughs> I don't. Yeah. Even like, the opening sequences, guys, it looks nice. Yeah, it's it's also a new score. They they kind of gave it a more triumphant score mm-hmm. for for the. I I let it play. Sometimes I let you know most. I let to skip the intro. I let this one play, and it's a long intro. It's like a minute yeah. and a half. It's like da da very da, old da, 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 da Yeah, it's very old school. And I'm like I like I like it. I like the score. I like the. I feel like between like it just it just feels like the show is bigger and 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 in scope. Like yeah. we just we just brought it to a larger. Uh, scope and the visual effects, the storytelling, the even some of the um, and and the music itself. It just feels like a bigger show now than what yeah. it was, um, and I and I like it. And I feel like that each episode so far, um, so far, like I said, I got five in. But like the first and the fifth episode seems very Orville when the first episode focusing on Isaac and the uh, fifth episode focusing on Topa, which that episode made me cry at the end. See, but you see it, it is a little bit more serious, but I think it's, I don't know. I was here. I was here for it. I was, yeah. have you seen the episode with Gordon yet? No, I have not. Oh, I don't think I have. That's another one that's going to get you. And that one uh, is almost like a continuation from an episode an arc that he had in a previous season. I think it was last season. It's I'm glad that you brought that up because what's great about what I, what I like about this show a lot is that it's doing a lot of different things. Obviously it feels wider in scope. It feels like a bigger show, but it's also, I feel like it's paying homage to 
to just sci-fi in general. Yeah. Like, I feel like episode two was very reminiscent to Aliens when mm. when that thing infiltrated the ship. Oh, yes, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, episode three, which was, like, them going into, like, this planet and they didn't know what was going on, it felt like a Star Trek mystery episode mm-hmm. where they keep bouncing to these different, like, realities and fear and then we get, you know, the resolution of that. Episode four was a political commentary, first of all, if you remember yeah. that. Um, but also very reminiscent to Star Wars, where literally at the end of the episode, they make a reference to A New Hope. Again, <laughs> not spoiling anything, but if you've seen it and are known as so you know what I'm talking about. It's like, that's very much Star Wars. And then episode five with Topa, that's, that feels very Orville. Right? Yeah. That feels like a, a show, that's something that they wanted to tell, a specific story they wanted to tell. And it was, a, in a way, a beautiful story. Yeah. Of and and like I a tear went down my eye at the end of it. Like it was such such beautifully done. And what you said just now, what it does so well in this show is that each almost each one of those episodes were a sequel to a past episode. And but they are they're they're self-contained episodes that if you didn't watch the previous seasons or those episodes to get the continuation from it. It can live as a self-contained episode, but it's as equally as self-contained as is a continuation to a previous episode that was going. But it feels like that you can watch the one episode in season one or two and then continue that story in season three. Yeah. And then do do the same with the rest of it. You don't need to watch all of it, but you can just pinpoint those two episodes and it will be just as satisfying as if you watched all of it. Yes, 100% agree. And so it, it it's just interesting the way that like like oh okay this is a continuation off of that story and it like it almost feels like an anthology series because it's weird because the episodes within themselves within the season don't really connect mm. but it but it does because it's continuing off of episodes from the previous seasons yeah. but the season three like episode one two three four five is not really building off of one another instead it's building off of the series as a whole. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I'm really enjoying it. I will admit that season episode one and two uh, wasn't, it didn't grab me. It didn't hook me. Mm. Uh, but once we got to like this Star Trek mystery when they're in the high school and at the end result of that, like I, I was intrigued from the beginning to end. And then definitely these last two, the, the political commentary that's very reminiscent of Star Wars and the Topa episode. I was like, okay, I feel like we have our footing now. I'm I'm on board for this season. Um, so yeah, it's some good stuff. I but I I now wish that I was watching it week to week because it's a lot to binge and it's a lot of heavy yes. material. It's a lot of heavy material. It was nice. To, it was nice to sit on it week to week. Yeah, because like I I feel like I need to take a break when I do watch it. It's like I got two in. Let's watch something else now. Yeah, I need to change could, it up. <laughs> yeah, to change because these are heavy episodes. Um, and you said it gets it gets heavier in the second yeah. half. Oh yeah. Oh my god, I don't know if I'm ready for that. <laughs> <laughs> like to be one of the the highlighting episodes, especially in that fashion, is the episode with Gordon. Okay, I, I'll look forward to watching it. Um, but yeah, hopefully by next week I'll finish the remaining five, and we can talk about the rest of the season next week. Um, but I am enjoying it. I'm enjoying it. It's, it's, it's different television. Like you don't get TV like that anymore. Yeah. And, and I think it's very, 
I think it's cool that it's in a sci-fi setting that you know the medium that we like one of the, you know one of the mediums that we like is sci-fi. Yeah. So it works on both fronts. Um, but I, I will say, just you know, make the episodes a little bit shorter, and I wouldn't mind more comedy in there. Like, like a little bit more lightheartedness. <laughs> a little bit, just a little bit. Um, and the other thing that we've been watching is actually not a show per se or a movie, but it's a it's a YouTube series. On, okay. It's called Downey Live Travels by Train. And there's this guy. Um, it's probably in his twenties. And he's so he he had these series before and these like little one off episodes um, on his YouTube channel that I didn't watch. But Megan wanted to show me of because uh, she happened upon this particular YouTuber um, and all she wanted to show me was and she actually started watching it. And then I hooked I got hooked on it. And that wasn't even the purpose of me watching it. She just wanted to show me this small clip from that video of the Brightline service that's happening in South Florida. Where you can, like, it's a very new way of train travel. And he was doing, like, a little highlight on it. But his main goal is to travel from, travel across America by train. And he's go, he's starting in Florida and he's ending in Alaska. And in the meantime, while he's doing that, he's giving a lot of train history, train facts in a very fun and engaging way. And also showcasing certain landmarks in kind of the railroad um industry and history um within it and it's almost at the end of each episode it makes you feel like you can see the world through a different perspective if you ride a train but also you know riding a train has a lot of its benefits as opposed to getting to your destination quicker as you when you take a when you when you fly so and his his whole point is like you know enjoy the journey as much as the destination mm. As well as giving facts about the train that he's on, as well as the stops that he's taking, the views that he's taking in, kind of seeing America through this viewpoint, um, as well as giving us some history about the railroad industry in the beginning and stopping at specific locations. Like one of them, he's like, he, I'm taking the longest train. I'm taking the steepest railroad. And he's stopping these landmark locations and kind of giving us a history about it. And I think it's done very well. These are 24-minute episodes, roughly. And he does it in a series. So his new series is Travels. He's Traveling America. And he's only about four episodes in, and he's dropping these weekly. So he got caught up with that. And then I was like, what else does this guy have? And then Megan's like, well, earlier this year, he did a whole series on Canada where he traveled to all the provinces of Canada through train. And I was, I was like, let's start that one. Fired up. <laughs> Fired up. So I think we're like three or four deep and he has 10 episodes on that. And so he's traveling through Canada through a train and it's very informative. And at the again, at the end of every episode, he kind of does a recap of his journey so far and he's like, and this is why you should travel through the train because you get to these, you get to see these unique experiences. Um, and I was like, it, it kind of shifted my perspective on train travel. Um, something that I didn't expect that, you know, I, I'd not say that I had like a stigma on riding a train, but for me, it's more practical to fly. You get there fa faster and you have some, you have somewhere to go, obviously. But he makes a compelling argument of why we should take the train. And so I kind of got engrossed in that. So like a lot of my time has been watching this guy just travel across <laughs> Canada and America through a train uh, because it's really informative. So uh, it's called Downey Live Travels by Train. It's on YouTube. Just look him up. And uh, he has some really good stuff. So I recommend you guys giving that a watch if you are interested in that. Um, but other than that, that's really all I've been watching. Um, so now we're going to dive into our spoiler review 
of Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul, starring Regina Hall and Sterling K. Brown. Ernesto, we'll start with you. Your thoughts on the movie. I have to say, I really, really enjoyed this movie. I, f- I loved the mockumentary style, very reminiscent of The Office. But mm-hmm. it wasn't like a total of the mockumentary because like, it was very much like a fly on the wall because even when they would like tell them to cut the cameras, they would still like leave them on. Like mm-hmm. I love seeing Regina Hall, like when she would walk up, she would be upset. And when she, she would give a glance and realize that the cameras are rolling and she would like, every time you, there would almost be like an adjustment. And so we would get that, like, you know, like how delusional they are, like trying to, trying to make, fix themselves and get everything right after, you know, dealing with this church scandal which they left which i i almost enjoyed how vague they left it they left it as almost like what you would know as far as media coverage as far as like what everybody knows that's what you know you don't you don't get to know any other further information than what than what it seems like what's out there from the um what's out there in the in the world as far as media coverage and as far as what they want you to know so even the whole film you're still kind of like wondering like the whole i spent a lot of the film wondering like what did he actually do like what did he do and then you get a you kind of get a general idea but even that in itself is very vague on the inform on what exactly you know and yes you make a really good point about that and i think honestly the most information we ever got about what he actually did was in the basketball scene like i feel like that in the ending scene the ending scene with khalil in the street right right yes that's a good point um i feel like those two moments were kind of like we can assume what happened we can kind of put pieces together but like you said we we don't really know and we only got it through news coverage of of like and we're trying to put everything together but we do know that because of the scandal everyone stopped going to the church and and now they're going to a different church and they're trying to rebuild their brand. I, I I don't know, man. I was I was I was here for it. Like I loved like the like that like when you're in when you're walking with them and it's and they're going through their wardrobe. Like, oh, what are we gonna wear for the person first day? I've got this Prada. Yes. And this Prada and this Prada. It's like when did the shift become? And it's just and I think it shines a light on like big mega churches like how big do you need realistically need to be you Mm -hmm. know what i mean i don't know it was like like when did it become less about the grassroots and more about you know what you can showcase what you can show the world right and and it's and it's funny because they even within the dialogue when they showcase the old footage of his preaching he would often say is like I didn't you you think I got that expensive item set here because of whatever? No, I worked hard for it and base and basically like okay, so you're bragging that you have this expensive item. So what what exactly are you preaching at this point? Exactly. And it and is it more of the glam because a lot of people are dressed very nicely and you've noticed that you know you are dressed to the nines for 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 this event for for church. And you mentioned that multiple times, especially in that Prada scene. Um, but what what exactly are you saying when you are, you know, doing your sermons? Um, it, it's it is quite interesting, you know, how they portrayed it uh, and like exactly what he is preaching. Uh, but with like you said, without the fanfare, obviously, you know, 
after the scandal, not a lot of people came to the congregation anymore. A lot of people left, except for those five people. Yeah. That yeah. little girl was so Yes. <laughs> <laughs> she uh, called the church. She goes, I love the theater. Like I, just I love the theater. <laughs> but, it's, but that's just such a funny testament because if you've ever been to a church like that where like people are like acting like that, like you would think some people are like, oh, like, you know, they're really like feeling it or whatever. And then some somebody else's perspective is like, why are they like, why are they like acting? Like, why are they acting right. like that? <laughs> but you make a good point because like it's hard. It's it hard to take a read on her, actually. But honestly, I, I got more out of the mother who was like, yeah, well, the daughter doesn't really do much. She likes paintball guns, uh, real, real guns, guns. church. <laughs> but 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 she said it in a way that was like. Real guns, church. It was like very one sentence, and like all together, like yeah. in between. Fake guns, yeah. real guns, church. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, I, I don't, and it's almost like one of those moments where you're like, what, what, wait, what was, what was, was the middle part right there? Yeah. What, what did you say? Uh, re- real guns. Real guns. <laughs> and then she comes back with it, with just like, like you know, the Charlie K. Brown is doing his sermon and then she falls to the ground and like Jesus with you. And then she just cuts the camera, a simple cutaway. I love the theater. And like, <laughs> honestly, that right there, like without really saying it spoke to a lot of what maybe some people might do or what they might feel or in her, in her case, you know, she, she liked the theatric of what it could be. Yeah. Um, and then even going on, I mean, that whole scene in, it's, itself is, was hilarious because then continuing on, you see Sterling K. Brown taking off his shirt, which he was ripped by the way. Oh um, man. But he's, but he's always been like a very like lean, good looking, good looking guy. Yeah. I mean, I was, but it's so funny that, you know, a lot of people are closing her eyes and sh- props to Regina Hall, her face, where she, she opened her eyes and she was like, "Oh no, what are you doing?" Like, "Oh shit." <laughs> but I have to t- like both of their performances were top-notch. Like yes. they did, I think both of them did. So I would love to see some some Oscar noms thrown to them for their performance in this film. Maybe not for the film, maybe not for the film itself, mm-hmm. um, but I think a 100% for their performance. They should. Yeah, I I will say that specific, specifically for Regina Hall, I feel like she did a lot in this movie. Subtly. Um, subtly. She yes. very she very much told the story of the film through her just through her more of her actions than through her words. I feel like this was a good avenue for her to shine because I feel like a lot of the movies she's been in, she's always been accompanied by another actress or another actor. Um, oh, like not necessarily like the main lead. The lead, right. Um, but I feel like, I think another big role she had was, uh, Girls Trip, um, uh, which was accompanied by Queen Latifah, Tiffany Haddish, uh, Jada Pickett Smith. So, uh, I she's feel- also, I mean, scary, all the, all the scary movies that she did. I, she was hilarious in it. She's always she, been like a she to me. She's always been like a comedy icon. Like she's yes. always been, she's always been well, very well known for her comedy. Um, but I agree with you. It's but it's always been more in it as an uns- at least in what I've seen has been more yeah. of an ensemble role. I'm sure that she has other roles that maybe because she's been in Hollywood forever. Um, yeah, and and I haven't seen. And there is a movie called Support the Girls that I've seen and that she was in, and she she definitely took a lead, but. She was almost she was like the head of a of like a I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what, what would you call like a Hooters because that's essentially what she is. It was like a sports bar type uh, establishment that she was the manager of and she was in charge of like 
like it was almost like the the waitresses and the people who worked there she was managing them and kind of like prying away like you know other people and making sure the girls were treated appropriately um mm. and so she took a role in that she took like a, a leading role in that i think she did really well but she was also just reacting to the situation whereas in this movie she was she she had a she had a lot of room to be funny as well as serious because there's a lot of serious moments in this movie i mean it also wasn't a huge cast like there wasn't a huge cast right. for this film and it mainly no. was was her and sterling came brown and their interactions together um yes. it was really i mean and daniel K- kaluuya this is one of his first movies he produced mm. him and him and uh, and under jordan pills um production company Pro- production company and this is the first comedy i believe that that monkey paw productions has done um, very well which that. which I mean show they it was, it was so good I think it was, I think this movie was so well done I I, I think I, I I was expecting a comedy I was not expecting basically the end of the movie that turned into like a serious situation that was happening it's more of a drama that that kind of unfolded and it's almost like the comedy was for the cameras, but the raw emotional reaction was when the cameras were turned off or when they, when, when each character reached their breaking point, which I did like when they changed the aspect ratio of when they were filming and Mm. when they were not filming. Yeah. But I think it just speaks to the situation. Like Mm -hmm. they're trying to showcase this and that's what you get on camera. But if you're watching, if this is a fly on the wall documentary, then you're going to get, if this is real life, then you're going to get a variation of both. Absolutely. And I honestly, I feel like her strongest performance visually that I was able to see was when she became a mime. Yeah. You, you, You saw it in her face that this was not something she wanted to do. And she even said, like, I have no disrespect for the art that I'm doing, but to have your own wife perform this and to basically stoop this low to get people to come to the church... For something that you did wrong. Right, yes. And I'm trying to help you do this. It was almost like you visually in her face, without saying a lot of words... You felt that, like you you felt that raw emotion, and then obviously what's followed after when she broke in front of the camera, it's like, is this what you want? What are you guys doing here? Like, what? Wh- why are we filming this? Yeah, I mean, she had this, she had that girl screaming in her face when she was holding that baby. She was like, <laughs> "Fuck you, bitch!" She's yeah. like holding a small child. She's like, and then she, you can start to, but even then, you start to see little cracks in the foundation, like because she goes, "Fuck you," and then like two seconds later, she goes. Have a blessed day. God yeah. bless. <laughs> and and it's funny. I mean that that awkward. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, I was just gonna say like it was just you got to you get to see a little bit of that throughout the film, like when that like awkward sex scene when he wants to send her <laughs> from the back and she wanted to get on top and then he just couldn't he couldn't perform. Right. But then he's like, can you, can you, and he goes like, can you, can you do the other thing? Like, right. <laughs> and, and then she basically she goes down just, on him. Right. Just, <laughs> just pleasing him. And then two seconds later, like, okay, thanks. And then like, all right, we're done with, we're done with tonight. Maybe we couldn't take care of her. I mean, that's right. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like you said, we saw that in, 
uh, in her in her performance. We saw that in her face that obviously she was not happy with the situation, but he was more or less fine with with that particular outcome. Um, one scene I thought was really hilarious is like you. This is more towards the beginning where you think they're like they're portraying themselves like as these perfect people who are just trying to do good, and yes. then you get to them in the car and they yes. start singing "Crime Mobs Nuck If You Buck." <laughs> Like I, I know the song, but it's just funny because they didn't like play the edited version. This is like real gangster rap that they are yes. like, like really get both of them really getting. And I love how they just play off of each other. Like, like Regina Hall was just here. He's just started it, and then she was just here for it. She just went and yeah. chimed in right at her verse. <laughs> like, I what, honestly, it was that scene where I felt like, okay, this is gonna be a different movie than I what than I was expecting. Yeah. Because I expect because the trailer really only focused their their performances in front of the camera is like this happy sarcastic like overly joyful we're trying to bring the church back and we're going to be happy about it kind of fake happy smake fake smiling and you kind of gather that in the trailer but when when they cut it looks like they were just mad at each other after after the events of what i don't i don't i don't remember exactly what happened um but they were obviously they Oh, that's right. That's right. It was after the amen scene where they didn't agree. I love that. (laughs) I like how they – and they also brought that part back. But, yes, it was right right after that. Right after that. He was saying amen and she was saying amen. Amen. It was amen and amen, yes. And they both couldn't agree on it. And then they're like, baby, we talked about this. We said this this is what the new thing is. And then it's like, okay, okay, fine. And then they said it again and they're like, okay, completely off. And um, it was like two or three times in the movie so that those are – and I feel like that's what they were telling the audience like whenever she would tell Anita the documentary, like we can just cut that. We can just cut that part out. Like each of those yeah. were like key moments where you saw like the cracks where yes. they weren't being perfect, where they were caught where they were caught off guard, like just dealing with day-to-day situations and they weren't the people who they wanted to be portrayed to everybody else. Right, right. And so then now, <clears throat> excuse me, leading into the next scene where they're, they feel like they're both mad at each other because they, you know, they weren't agreeing on, on this particular sentence or this phrase. And he starts singing the song. I 100% did not expect for her to continue the verse. So <laughs> I didn't either. So I just saw the, her face and she yeah. started flaring her nostrils. I was like, oh, she's about to get it. <laughs> And when she went off, to I started, I was dying. It was like, yeah. that's that's great. And then going into, like, the next scene that followed where they were at their competitor, the the other church. The and they're like, the Sumters. And, like, we have to, like, not tear them down, but we have to, like, you know, they're kind of like, you know, we don't like these people. They're stealing our followers. We need to, we need to get the people back with us. And we got to rebuild. And that was like the motivations for them to continue. And again, the cameras were off, but they were showcasing basically who they really were at the end of the day. And I, the movie never really showcased if they were good or bad people. It, it's hard because like, and this is also part of, you know, part of the story, part of the, the, the story of the, the movie, the, the story of the movie. But it was like, are they, do they actually want to preach the word of God and say the word of God and like actually help people or are they just in it for the fame and the popularity and like what comes with you building and performing them, you know, the mega church. 
I, I think it's a little bit of both. Maybe it started as them wanting to, but it, like maybe more so him than her. Well, actually her too, because look at her obsession with wanting to get that fucking hat. And like, right. <laughs> you know, they that part, that was a part of them. Or even when they were showing off all their outfits, like they were, and you know, in, when they were showing off their cars, like mm-hmm. they just, I think there were two, each of them were wrapped up in their, like their own ego. And you see right. that a lot when Sterling came around, he gets his five people come in and then the one car comes in and he's holding on. He's like, I'm thinking a smooth 500. It's like, right. No. And then not even knowing that they got fucked from the <laughs> other church again, when yes. they were going to try to open early, then the other church said, Oh, we'll just open early. But I think it was a like, I, I struggled a little bit with the ending at first because I was like, but I think you're supposed to see them. The point of it is that you're supposed to watch their downfall. You're supposed yep. to watch them fail. And it's to show that, like, these people who we consider pillars in our community, like, like are they, like, do we absolve them from everything? Like, just, be, you know, or do they be, should they be treated like everybody else when they do something wrong? Like, mm-hmm. like people aren't going to come see you, especially if there's another church doing equally as well on the upswing. Like, this was just a signal of your main downfall. And like, right. you know, he, and I just loved how they kept holding on to that one car. But I think that one car obviously was doing donuts in the parking lot was there right. just to spite them. But even, even then, like his ego couldn't let it go that maybe, like maybe this one, even if he's there to 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 pick on us or to show us that nobody cares, like maybe he might bring this person might bring somebody in. Like he was really holding on because they just right. kept going back to him. He just kept staring at that one car, like hoping that people will come back. But I think that was a clear indication between that and the other church that the community just like Khalil said, like they don't need them any. They just, they don't need them. Like you showed, right. you, you showed your true, your true colors. And we know like, you're not the only church in town. Like we, this is not, this is not the only place to go. Like you are not the only voice of God. Right. But even on top of that, the Sumters weren't quote unquote angels either. True. They were, they were just younger versions of, Taylor came Brown and of them. Yeah. Of, and so like you can see that they're for lack of a better term, they were old news and they were trying to rebuild something that was too late to be rebuilt from. And then you have this new couple that's basically the same as you are. And they're building their, you know, their, their church and their congregations growing. And they, again, they were doing the same thing. It's like, Oh, we're building a new, we're building a new church. Oh, did you see that? You know, were, were you having trouble finding parking? Did we have to install an overflow because of all these people that were coming in? It's like <laughs> they were just being, and they, like the, the church was closed. Like, sure, you can find parking. It's like, yeah. It's like they, there's, they, there's no service right now. <laughs> yeah. They, they could easily find parking. You knew that. Yeah. And, and so, like, and then, and then also going back to the end of the movie, when they were, you know, chatting in front of the camera, they were like, oh, well, we really know they needed Easter Sunday really bad, and uh, that's why we we decided to open this Sunday. We had no idea that they had also changed the Sunday yeah. uh, into this Sunday. And so, again, part of me within that moment be like, well, did they really do that out of the kindness of their heart, or did they know that they moved the Sunday and they wanted to then beat them? I think you, you get some of that, like... That sly niceness. I don't. What's a good way? I'm trying to think. No, I mean that's a, that's a good it. term. Yeah, sly like, niceness. Yeah. No, 
because it's it's like more conniving because you get that same feeling when she's talking to the lady at the mall. She's like, oh, yes. bless your heart. Yes. Oh, I hope you get a lot of people coming to your church. She's like, but you won't be there, will you? It's like, right. Yeah. No, You're like, no. <laughs> oh, it's like, what are you going to say now, bitch? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was also, yeah, it was like that very, that, that like hard niceness that is not coming off as friendly. But we're putting up a front, but within those words are not nice words at all. Like you are arguing, just doing it in a different way. Um, and I um I saw I saw an interview with the twins. Um, I, I'll link it the, from the YouTube. It's like a thirty minute interview, and they talked about you know shooting in Atlanta, but they also talked about like this being a black comedy, but not mm-hmm. being about being black. Y- you're right. Yeah. Like she's like she's like so many, and it's true. Like so many black comedies, like I grew up watching. Like so, most of them are about like being black and the 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 struggle about being black. But this this didn't have this movie was an entire like a fully black cast. But they didn't mention it. They didn't talk about it. Like it was just a part of the film. It didn't. It wasn't. It was a part of the film, but it wasn't something that they drew attention to. If that makes any sense. And yeah. it, and it's just something that they that they. They said it was very refreshing for them, and I'm he and I'm 100% here for it. Like, there's so many other stories that we can tell about the black community that doesn't necessarily have to focus on the struggles of being black. Right, and you make a really good point there. And I feel like Jordan Peele, you know, it makes a lot of sense why he would back this project. Granted, Get Out was very much about being black. But, yeah, but that was a very specific. That was very specific yes. to the story, to the horror of that story. Like correct. Like it was a horror story, but it had it used that element as a part of the storytelling tactic. Correct. But with Get Out and Nope, didn't re- I feel like it didn't rely on that, and correct. that's where yeah. I feel like he's able to kind of elevate the storytelling and tell great stories with an all black cast. And I and so it makes a lot of sense why Jordan Peele would be an executive producer on this particular film because that's exactly what this movie is. Um, yeah, I'm I'm I was here for it. I would I I really want to see I want to see some mention of this film at at the very least for Regina Hall and Sterling Kim Brown maybe for adapted screenplay because I did see it is based off a short film mm. um, with the same name Honk for Jesus Save Your Soul made by the Evil Twins. Um, that Issa Rae, because I guess Issa Rae used to does this short film Sunday. Oh, okay. Um, so it was debuted. It was debuted back then. And um, listening to them, this movie actually, she said, this movie had many different iterations. It started as a feature um, when she was in her screenwriting class in at UCLA, but then she wanted something for her short film thesis, so she rewrote it for a short film. And then after the short film, rewrote it back into a feature. After oh, that's funny. After very, very many rewrites, yeah. That's actually funny how that creative process worked because, you know, it, you really don't know what you have until, you know, you actually do the project. And it's quite funny that it's like, well, I think it could be a long, I think it could be a feature film. You know what? The story can be told in a short film fashion. And then when you do it, you're like, I was right the first time. I'm going to go back to what I originally wanted. Uh, and also do just the, just for the success of it all. Um, and, and, and then you have other projects like, um, one that comes to mind is the movie I saw recently is Marcel, the show with shoes on where it was just three YouTube videos that were about 10 minutes long, if not shorter. And then 
let's make a feature out of it and end up being a really beautiful featured film. Um, so you really yeah, don't you know said you what loved it. I loved it. Yeah. It's one of my favorite movies of the year. Um, when it hits streaming, best beat, I will tell you, and I want, okay. these, I, want these people to, I want these people to watch it, um, because it's such a beautiful movie. And so, but you just really, you just really never know where your where the creative process will lead. And I feel like that's, you know, that's kind of fun to, to that story and for this movie. Um, but I, but I, but I, again, going back to what you were saying, this movie doesn't predicate on this highlights black actors without being a movie about being black. And I feel like we should get more of these more films like this because there are, there is a lot of content about being black that features black actors. Um, and I, you know, it's not necessary. It's not necessary. We don't like those stories can continue to be told, but we don't have to always tell those stories. Yeah, it becomes monotonous. Like it's just like we need there. We need the we need the more variation. Like we don't have to. We can just have a story with an all black cast, but we don't have to continually make mention that hey, we're all black. Like we don't have yeah. to do that. <laughs> um, I think another great example of that is uh, uh, the harder they fall, the western on Netflix. Oh was, yeah, that's that was. Movie. I haven't got a, to see it. You you said uh, it was amazing, right? Great western movie. That featured an all-black cast that had nothing to do about being black. It was just a western with a black cast. Mm. That's that's what it was. Um, and so I feel like we are slowly, you know, hopefully we're getting more of this, but it does look like we're getting these types of more content that features an all-black cast. Um, and it, and it's sad because we again we we shouldn't have to say and it features an all-black cast, so it's a black western. We can just eventually we can just come to the term as this is a western. Period. Um, so I think this movie definitely serves that this is a step in the right direction for comedies moving forward because I, 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 it took me a minute to get into it, but it didn't take all long. I mean, the movie's only an hour 40. Mm -hmm. Um, and really after the credits, you end up being like, you know, 90 minutes, but like when they, I think this movie did a lot that I wasn't expecting. And I was along for the ride when I, and when I realized that this was like, an unexpected movie. It wasn't just a standard comedy. There was a little bit more to it than just a comedy. Um, and so I was here for it. Um, and also, uh, got a praise of one shot, uh, where it's in the basketball scene. They had a long, it was like a long trolling shot because it started off wide when he was in the basketball court and it just slowly panned as Sterling K Brown was talking to one of the documentarians I think he was either the lighting guy or the uh, or the sound or the guy. Sound. That's right. He was a sound guy. And they slowly panned in there, and it was a one shot up until Regina Hall um, walked into the frame. When I like when, that. when he left and she came in, and basically she was like, "You done here? We're we're trying to get out of this. Like, you know, don't do anything stupid." And you can kind of tell that he was having, you know, he's being a little touchy feeling with him, mm. um, and kind of going back to maybe what got him in trouble in the first place. Again, one of those scenes that alluded to what maybe happened, but we don't exactly know. Mm. Um, honestly, when Khalil came into the picture, I thought he was going to shoot somebody. It, it definitely, it definitely felt in that moment where he wasn't saying anything. He was stopping traffic that he was going to come out with a gun. And I was like, I, I, cause I didn't, I didn't know what was going to happen. Luckily yeah. that didn't happen. And it was more of just a yelling match, but I was like, 
is somebody going to die right now? <laughs> I liked how as soon as he got out, you hear the car honking. You see cars speeding around. like Yeah. Kind of like a little mini chaos happening around. Um, but final thoughts, Ernesto? Um, I really enjoyed it. I, I think I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. I knew it was – I had a feeling that I was going to like it, but I really, really enjoyed it. I love the style that they shot this. I love that, like, as I said before, like, it was uh, – it's – a movie containing an all-black cast, but not that not that not being the focus of the film at all. Um, Sterling K. Brown, he is so funny. I think, like, I think this is a key to show how how great his range is, and mm-hmm. I hope to see him in more and more of a different variety of roles in the future. Regina Hall, um, she's a comedy icon. She's so funny. I think she carries a lot of this film. I think she does a lot. Subtly, sub, subly, I don't, subtly, I don't know how to say the fuck. So, so, now, now you have me questioning. It's like, sub, yes, I know you're Subtly, saying. subtly, whatever. Subtly, there you go, there she, you got it. She, just through her facial actions, like, she, she tells a lot of the story, and she doesn't even have to, even with not having to say much, she's able to, to, to continue the story on without even use, using her words, which I think she does. Flawlessly, um, I'd like to see some some mention at the Oscars next year, for especially for Sterling K. Brown or Regina Hall, maybe even for um, screenplay. Um, I was here for it. Um, yeah, and I I think I agree with you. I think I was gonna I was going into the film thinking I was gonna like this comedy, like again focusing on comedy, um, and I was surprised at how much I enjoyed it and how much it was. I mean, it was a comedy, but it was more than that. Yeah. Um, so I, I enjoyed that aspect of being kind of caught off guard of what I thought I was going to watch. Um, and it really worked for the film. I think the mockumentary aspect and, and how, and really specifically Regina Hall's and Sterling K. Brown's performance really leaned in to the mockumentary of yeah. it all. So like, you know, when the cameras are on, we're putting up this front, we want, you know, people to see this and like, we came back from a triumphant return um, and, and the reality of it all is that they kind of, they were, we saw them at a lower point in which they were at, from the beginning of the movie to the end, they reached even lower than where they were. Um, and kind of, you know, if the movie continued, we would probably see them closing down the church and, you know, you know, not really having the success they had before. Um, so yeah. And I think a lot of this movie predicated on their performances, but I, I feel like Regina Hall did a little bit more than Sterling K. Brown. I, I really, really gravitated with her performance and she, she really brought it and with this Avenue and she was able to shine in a very small cast um, says a lot about her acting and hopefully she can continue to have these types of roles where she can shine like this. Agreed. Um, Agreed. And, um, but yeah, I, I think the movie really worked. I was quite surprised by it and I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it at the end of it and how much it kind of resonate with you a little bit on like, yeah. like the actions of, of individuals, the decisions that they make, the, the repercussions of those and, and also what they mean to the community. And also in some cases, how, you know, any small big event or act, you know, thing that you did can really affect how people perceive you. And clearly when you had, I think they mentioned what, 20,000, 25,000 people showed up mm-hmm. or like they were like in their conjugation went minimized, went all the way down to five. Um, mm-hmm. that, that's, that says something. 
right? Uh, the Also, I found it interesting that a lot of people on the radio, like they had a lot of radio interviews through, sprinkled throughout the, uh, throughout the movie. And they were talking like different opinions of people. But when it came down to actually going to the church at the end of the movie, nobody showed up. Nobody showed up. But everybody but, had an opinion about what was going on. Yes, exactly. Um, so yeah, I think it surprised me, and, and therefore I uh, I thought it was I thought it was a good movie. Yeah. Um, I, I you know going back to our box office conversation, I hope the streaming numbers reflect that. Maybe not the box office numbers, but hopefully you know Peacock. You got a lot of streams on Peacock. Yeah. Um, and I think, but I think if it was solely in the film in the theaters, I think it probably would have done well, like a good, like a good adult com maybe not necessarily i guess it's kind of it's more of an adultish mm, comedy mm-hmm. maybe more of like a teenager adult comedy like yeah. i think it would have it would have catered to a much broader to a really to a broad audience to see a good comedy like that in the theaters like this would have been good to watch as a communal experience like listen to everybody yeah. laugh in a theater like like if that scene when they're in the car i could just imagine a whole theater like going crazy like singing the song and laughing yes. along with it, you know, like really enhancing the experience that the film set up. You make a really good point. I can see a lot of people having a great laugh out of that moment. Yeah, for exactly. Sure. Um, but yeah, it, you know, it, but unfortunately, I mean, it, again, Peacock and Universal and Focus Features did give the option to people to watch in theater, but it's hard to, to make that it's, justification when it's, when it's readily so available. easily available. <laughs> yes. And the same thing goes to when, you know, coming next month, we have Halloween ends that is also doing the same thing. And we had we talked about this last week and we were pretty sold that they were going to have the the movie the Halloween franchise and its trilogy in the theater. So Yeah, that would have been they nice, decided obviously it would have been nice. happening. <laughs> well, it, it kind of is, but the, now with the option yeah. of Peacock. And I'm not gonna, I'm I'm going to be honest with with the option of Peacock now, I wasn't too jazzed up about the sequel. So now I'm just going to end it off at home instead. See, I don't know, but this would be a good one to watch, and because I watched the first of this new trilogy, I watched the first one in Dolby, and I mean, it mm. was a great experience. But I did watch the second one at home, and yeah. I didn't really enjoy it as much. I'm gonna try. Yeah. My goal is to try to go see this one in the theaters. I think okay. I, I think I at least owe it that to at least try. That's... Now we'll see what my schedule says that <laughs> yeah. come, when we come up on that week, if yeah. that's gonna change my mind. It's like, oh, well, it seems a little busy. All right, well, yeah. then Peacock it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, there you go. That's our spoiler review on Honk for Jesus, Save Your Soul. It's available in theaters, uh, to watch in theaters, as well as stream on Peacock. And uh, that's all the show we have for you guys this week. Uh, Ernesto, tell our lovely listeners what they can look forward to next week. So next week, we are heading back to Disney, reviewing one of my favorite stories of all time. Pinocchio. This is, which is interesting because isn't I believe there's another Guillermo del Toro is good, re- releasing Pinocchio at the end of the year, but this yes. is going to be related, obviously strict, you know, right from the mo- the original movie itself. Um, yeah. So obviously, no, we're no stranger to Disney recreating their animated classics. Pinocchio is just another version of that, but I find it very interesting that. A couple years ago, it was actually um, wow, what's his name? He was the villain in in Black Panther. He was also Gollum in Lord of the Rings. He Andy Circus. Thank you. Yeah, Andy Circus directed a Jungle Book story that 
that that was released on Netflix, I believe, mm-hmm. and which had a very close release window to Disney's The Jungle Book when they released it as well. So now we're getting a very similar situation where Disney's releasing Pinocchio and Guillermo del Toro is going to Netflix to release his Pinocchio movie as well. So it'll be interesting to, to kind of compare the two when they when both of them are released. But um, Ernesto, as a fan of the story of Pinocchio, specifically the Disney animated version, uh, what are your thoughts going in here? I'm just kind of curious. Give, giving the folks a little bit of a tease for next week. What, what are your are you antis- like are you highly anticipating this? Are you kind of going in there with low expectations? What are your thoughts on that? I'm going with low expectations so that I'm not disappointed if it's trash. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, because the live action adaptations, it's it's a hit or miss. You're right. But Tom Hanks is a part of it, so I I have higher hopes. Uh, and, and also more specifically with, with also with Tom Hanks is also director Robert Zemeckis, yeah. which if you haven't already, I recommend you going to listen to our creator spotlight on Robert Zemeckis, where we had Eric Burris on the show and we discussed his career as well as did a deep dive on Back to the Future and Forrest Gump, the two movies that he directed. Um, so I will say, though, he and then Robert and we also talked about in that episode uh, Robert Zemeckis's rough history where he had some great, you know, great films like Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, um, Forrest Gump and Castaway, as well as Flight as well. But then you also have other movies that he did that didn't do favorably, like Welcome to Marwin, uh, Beowulf didn't do that great. Mm. Um, he also was playing with animation with um, The Polar Express and A Christmas Carol. So... It's interesting to see where this one kind of falls into because Robert Zemeckis is a very – he's a very intuitive – or he likes to push the boundaries when he comes to his animated movies mm. as well as animation in general and the visual effects. So I feel like that we can get something really interesting with Pinocchio. But also that being said, he's never made a bad movie with Tom Hanks. True. So, so, with, so with that – like, to me, Forrest Gump, Castaway, um, and The Polar Express were all great movies in my book. Yeah. <clears throat> so. I, and Pinocchio is a beloved story. You, it is. It's, you tr- don't fuck it up. That's <laughs> 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 so all I'm saying. I love Pinocchio. Um, so we're, I'm going to have, if it's going to be trash, I'm going to have strong words next week. I'm sure. Are you going to try to squeeze in? Are you going to try to rewatch the animated classic? Oh, yeah. The, yeah. I mean, the original is like, it's like an, an hour 20. It's like a really short movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I'll also, it's been a while since I've seen Pinocchio, so I'm gonna do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna watch both. Um, but Pinocchio is gonna be available on Disney Plus as part of Disney Plus Day, which is on September 8th. Um, and they're gonna have this big launch. They're also putting out, um, they're also releasing a new Cars series, Cars in the Road. They're also putting out Thor Love and Thunder. I also have different uh, documentaries and stuff like that that they're also push, pushing out on Disney Plus Day. As well as it's the first day of D23 Expo. So next week is going to be a very Disney-filled episode as we discuss Pinocchio as well as all the news that come out of D23. So be prepared. It's going to be... Uh, Insert Disney quote here. I was, I was, I was going to say when you wish it upon a star. It will be a magical bro. time. There you go. Thank you. 
I'll even say like something about wishing upon a star, but it like well that doesn't make any sense. But either way, <laughs> we got there. Anyway, a lot of Disney talk next week, so be sure to come back for more movie fun. If you want more from us, you can always find us on our social media channels on Instagram at Box Office underscore Bingers and our Facebook page at Box Office Bingers. We'd like to thank each and every one of you for listening to our podcast each and every week. We really do appreciate it. Come back next week for more movie fun. Uh, you won't regret it. And for that, I've been your host, Matt Diaz. Ben Ernesto Santos. See ya.